Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Vestimal podcast with Ant and Evelina. In today's episode, we are interviewing Niklas Smut, Vestimal's very own CISO, which is a very fancy acronym for uh, the Chief Information Security Officer. That one, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm here for to ask, ask those technical questions. Yes. I think. Excellent. I mean, I mean, the second. A few times for me to get that right, but Chief Information Security Officer. It's a tricky one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with with Nicholas, we're touching many interesting topics, I think. Yeah, we're talking about uh, IT-OT convergence and how IT could be kind of swallowing the OT world or, you know, and, 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 and about some of the challenges around that. And we also talk about general cybersecurity uh, sort of practices and how you know the evolution and how the progression of cybersecurity is happening in the Ex- OT world. Yeah, exactly. And some of the threats uh, and um, maybe some some threats you didn't know about before will arise. Yeah, uh, I think there's a little sneaky peek in there about uh, some uh, challenges that industries have that we were really surprised about. Yeah. So um, have a have a listen and um, let us know what you think in the comments. Hi, and welcome, Nicholas, to the Vestimal Podcast. Hello. Thank you. Really happy to have you. Likewise. <laughs> Great. Well, can we start off with you telling us a bit more about yourself and um, your background and experience? Sure. Uh, Nicholas Mott. Currently, I'm the CISO at Vestimo. Uh, I have a long background in the IT industry, and uh, educational-wise, I'm data scientist and programmer, so that's really uh, my background. I, I had a really early on interested in tech stuff, basically, and communications. My father, he was all into that radio traffic, and so I kind of was brought up with that, and a lot of phones hanging around in the house. We were really early on the mobile phones and things like that. So that's kind of triggered the interest, I guess, and then I built a career on that. I see. That's really really interesting to hear. Um, But maybe following that then how did you get into cybersecurity? the cybersecurity? where does the, that interest come from mm, i think it's more an interest in kind of say informational security uh, one of the triggers were actually reading the memoirs of an old mi5 operative and later on even head of the mi5 peter wright he wrote the book back in the 80s so when i was you know young teenager i, I read that one and that kind of triggered the interest of, you know, information handling and how that actually works in the world. And from that on, I kind of went into the digital era of computing and on that started thinking, okay, how can you actually protect information and cryptography and things like that? So I had all those classes in the university and so on. That's, so that was kind of a bit of a trigger. And then when I actually discovered and started working with, it was really fun. So that's, and it continued from that. So it started off with with an interest in a, a spy book, and now you're sort of working <laughs> on on the other side of things, trying to trying to prevent. Yeah, sort of. I mean, trying to <laughs> at least a leakage of information is and the risks regarding that. And when you start thinking about it, it's kind of it's really interesting because then you see, okay, what what could actually happen with this information? And it might not be the things that you thought of first. If you, this information ended up in a, you know in someone else's lap, they might do something with it. Mm. And then they can aggregate information and then it becomes really a web of, you know, a lot of risks and things you need to think about. So that, mm. that's what actually triggers me. I kind of so you think things that 
we in an office setting perhaps wouldn't think as being uh, sensitive information could actually be used I mean, it could in be. a malicious way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, classically, you have some piece of information and that might not be by itself sensitive. Mm. And then you think, ah, this is not sensitive. But that in combination with other like information, yeah, it could be. I mean, examples could be, I mean, on a personal level, if you buy, if, you, if you're a patient somewhere mm. and, and you can distinguish, okay, this woman is a patient at a certain clinic, then you might understand that she might have some, you know, medical condition or she made an abortion or whatever because that's that, that type of clinic. So the payment information mm. is also sent to sensitive in a way. And, you know, you start thinking in those along those lines and then it becomes really interesting. And mm. and that's really hard to teach people because, I mean, I miss things and I've been doing this basically daily for my whole career. <laughs> and so it, it's it's really, really complicated. Yeah. So what's the biggest thing you think people miss? Obvious things that's obvious to you but maybe not so obvious to to other people. That's actually a really tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, but starting it, off you're, you're here ones. you're here for tough questions. Yeah. So but I mean, it <laughs> is. I mean it's it is really hard to know beforehand what could actually I, I think that's my mindset is ro- always risk management, right. in a sense. <laughs> Not only when it comes to information, because basically it's going to influence your life. Yeah. And and that is why it's hard for me to go out and you know just teach people or tell them what to do because Imagining they need what things. Yeah, they need to have yeah. that imagination themselves mm. when they see information, because I get a question: Oh, should I cl- classify this information? And it's like, you know, the whole process is rather okay. What could actually be done, what can you do with this information? That's the interesting question. Right. If this is ended up in you know the hands of an attacker or whatever, kind of you know, mm. then if they had also access to this information and that information, what can they do then? And right. that that combination is the interesting mm. thing. So it's it's teaching that mindset about information and risk handling. Yeah, I think that's and so that's it's actually fairly hard to give a really good example. But teaching that mindset must be a lot of what y- mm-hmm. your job really entails. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's going to be the focus area, definitely. And, I mean, example-wise, you can say, say source code, for instance. Normally, a lot of people think that source code is like, you, need, you really need to protect the source code. And then the source code, just for... I mean, the kind so of layman. Exactly. It could be in the Vestimo case, that would be the firmware that you run eventually on our products. So yeah. the software, basically. And that source code, is that really what you should protect? Or is there other information that is actually more sensitive? And mm. from my point of view, the source code is not really that interesting to protect. Okay. The integrity is a lot more important. And I mean, when they had the, the breach last year, the solar wind, the the security guy at Microsoft, he actually said that, oh, yeah, well, but we we assume that everybody has seen our source code, that it's mm. not really part of our kind of security. It's more the integrity is a lot more important in most cases. Obviously, there is source code you need to protect, but normally that's not really. So that, that kind of mindset and way of thinking is a bit new for most people, I think. I think one of the challenges is, is people say that they've got nothing to hide until they have something to hide. So it's kind of that, like, um, not cat and mouse, but this way of 
well, I don't need to be secure or anything like that. And then something happens, like you see something gets exposed, like something that we could, could be quite sensitive information and or, you, like you said, a bank statement that could have sensitive information on it. And then that's where the security wants to come in mm-hmm. into, into place. So it's important to have that security mindset before in case something happens. And quite commonly now it's not, it's, it's not an if, it's a when. And that's a big shift as well. It's the the when is when it's going to happen. Yeah, Not everyone's going to get it, but you know, and yeah, I have nothing to hide. Mm. And then, like I said, that quite personal matter. Yeah, up and but all like of that. a sudden, you have, and then you start realizing that aggregated information is of interest as well. And then you need to start to protect that. And then you have all the things with like I mean, a lot of attacks you have today is ransomware. They don't. They don't really care what information you have. They're not really yeah. interested in that. You just yeah. want to, you know, stop you from using it. So then availability comes into play as well. That you need to get the information, uh, and then then it's just suddenly locked. Yeah. So it's not really about sensitivity. It's just so there's a lot of things mm, that play here. Hmm. Yeah, and and, that, and the thing is, everything that we're talking about at the moment is quite big in the IT world. So for information technology, um, but we're we're in the OT world. And I know that this is the kind of the, the topic of, of this of this podcast is about the IT OT conversions and cybersecurity around that. So it, in a nice brief term, and then we can get a bit more into the details, we know IT stands for information technology. So, I mean, using the word OT, what, you know, what does that stand for? Yeah, exactly. I mean, OT stands for operational technology. So, and it's kind of hard to distinguish actually between them because obviously OT kind of uses IT technology in the day-to-day business but OT for me stands more on say if you have some critical infrastructure you you want to have clean drinking water for instance or you want to the transportation when you want it to be safe when you step on a train and things like that so all the systems actually that monitor this and manage that on a day-to-day basis that's operational technology for me automate automation system at the factory for instance that would be a definition for OT Hmm. from my point of view yeah and I, I think you're absolutely right is is ot is the kind of the industrial world and everything hmm. that we take kind of take for granted um and it is everything that we kind of interact with our daily lives so the hmm. printers and servers and the cloud and everything like that but and the bit that like i said we, we, we're going to talk about is that convergence and the security aspects behind that as well hmm. um so can you give us a brief o- overview of the IT OT convergence and and is it really convergence or is it one overtaking the other or is it you know where are we going to do it or is one going to swallow the other and you know wh- where where are we on that? Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, that's I mean everyone can have an opinion on this one, but for me, it's more not a really a convergence. It's more of IT moving into OT. I wouldn't necessarily say taking over. That might be the IT department's way of thinking about it, that they are kind of, you know, going to swallow this as well. And now, yeah, we're just managing this as well now. But when they move in with their policies and things, then you start to get the problems because they have a different mindset, especially when it comes to information security. Say that the classic CIA triangle with the confidentiality, integrity and availability, they will have really conflicting views on things. Yeah. And... But what I see in the trends on the market now is that more that IT is moving into OT rather than yeah. say they are just you know working together because the technology from IT is moving in. That's and, and that's interesting you say that. Like the CIA triangle is a really good 
um, example of, and like I said, about which is important to which industry. And it is about kind of playing them off against each other. You, you want to have the confidentiality in it and, and you want to have, um, God, I'm trying to remember them now, integrity and availability. Um, and which one's important? And, and like in, in, um, in, in let's say, a, a, an industrial setting, the integrity of data is really important. And exactly what you were pointing out earlier was the integrity of the transfer of information from Westmo to an end user for the firmware, for example, is really, really important. And and things, you know, I know one of the things that we've implemented is, um, and many other companies that implement that, is the, the check, the, the key, uh, what's it called? The I mean, the kind of the checksum, the, the, checksum, the hash yeah. or whatever you want yeah, to call it. To, yeah, to, to check the integrity of it. Mm. Whereas in other organizations, in, a, in an IT setting, for example, you know, if you're going to send something to the printer, I mean, it not to undersell that, but you, you, you send something to a printer and it comes out right or it comes out maybe a little bit wrong and if not, you're going to reprint it again. Whereas getting firmware or making sure that uh, a, a water pump with thousands and thousands of, you know, gallons and gallons of pressure going behind mm. it, that decision has to be either a one or a zero, whether or not you open or close it. There can't be any uh, mistakes during that. No, exactly. I so, mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, what, what, what's really interesting as well about that convergence as well is where you're saying that IT is kind of because they're quite policy based, and the OT world, I would say, probably from my experiences, and I would say quite, I would I think you would agree with this from your experiences, is not very policy based. It's a bit more of because these sites are locked away, and no one really goes there. The the sticker of the username and password on the computer is a policy to make sure that we can remember to log in, and that, that I know that can't be the the behaviour that continues. No, exactly. I think you have a good point there, and. And a lot of OT installations or the industrial side, they're normally very project-specific. Yeah. Because they're fairly big installations and they made adjustments just for that site. It could be, I mean, a, a water plot, for instance. I mean, it's going to be for that site. You have a special arrangement and it doesn't really apply to another one. Yeah. And But as you say, from IT, you have the policies and procedures and they should be the same, you know, basically all over the globe. Yeah. And then they come in conflict because, as you say, integrity is, is very important in the OT industry. And then it's, it's fairly interesting, it's important for the IT as well. But then you come to the other two parts of the CIA triangle and then you have the real conflict. Because in, in an IT setting, confidentiality is normally the, kind of the rule, the one to rule them all. Yeah. And in an OT setting, it's the opposite. Availability is the key for safety. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you can't really shut down a safety system because then you need to stop everything. Yeah. So then they come into conflicting views because if an IT procedure could be if you have a breach, the way to stop that is actually basically pulling the plug so you don't have any leakage of data or you know yeah. you get more infected and that doesn't really work in an OT setting. Yeah. So this is where you have the kind of debate on how to set up things. So that's really interesting. Then a question I have then, you mentioned some... some uh differences, so to say, between um, IT and OT, and uh, should should people be scared of IT OT, or surely there must be some benefits with, with this change happening, or the convergence, or what we're going to call it? Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting question. I think for sure there are a lot of benefits. I mean, normally, the thing with OT is that before it was really the islands, 
you had your you know locked away factory that wasn't really connected to anything but internally or things were really autonomous that it worked by itself but now you connect everything you want i mean you could have the big really cranes in the port you want the operator they're sitting in a nice you know ventilated office somewhere right drinking coffee yeah. yeah exactly accessing it remotely and then obviously it they have all, they have all the tech to con- you know commute communicate over distance they know internet so all the things that they have when it comes to cryptography for instance and solutions for vpns etc cetera, etc cetera, they can definitely be applied directly in an ot setting i think i mean it would be stupid to try and invent the wheel again right i mean it have done this journey for the last two decades mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah i was gonna say they're quite ahead because of things like ransomware and it was it was targeting the kind of the the let's say more innocent users of um, computers because they were much more vulnerable and easy to kind of tackle where now cybersecurity is becoming I mean there's cybersecurity instances every day in the kind of OT world but I know about some of the research I did a few years ago on IT uh, on OT cybersecurity was there wasn't many attacks on infrastructure even though it was incredible it, it was vulnerable and there was exposures there because they were isolated systems and they were never connected to the internet that the the attacks became much more physical or much more um you know large scale by taking out an entire grid i mean i mean you could the, always the go-to example is stuxnet um which yeah. is the, i mean it's used a million times but that is an example of one of the worst cybersecurity attacks could you go into it i mean bit? it's a yeah. really interesting one as well i mean the stuxnet because it's i mean really really well planned attack and it, yeah. it contains a lot of really you know zero days that they use and the sophistication on, on getting these you know say the the malware onto yeah. the devices and i mean it's just well so it takes really a step back it was it was uh and i mean you can correct me on the story no. on this but it was the usb sticks in the car park uh being left and this idea about plugging them in and then they ended up heating uh, the, the targeting a specific PLC um, in a in a was it a nuclear yeah, an, the yeah enrichment plant an enrichment plant yeah and oh, and yeah. it then ended up misleading the SCADA into thinking that things were okay but actually the turbines were spinning at an incredible rate I think to self destruct or you know yeah. but but you know minus too much of the details the the, the that was completely targeted wow. And and it was it had catastrophic effect, and they just I think they ripped the cables out, and it took you know just to stop the system. Mm-hmm. But but the the environment was isolated, and the USB keys were the way, just leaving them in the car park, and that that's one story of it. And There's people other picked them up in the car park, plugged them into computers. Yeah, and that's yeah. how the virus. Yeah, got in. Where in oh. the IT world, things like USB sticks have been quite off off limits for many years because of things like that where in the ot world it was kind of even though they're the same systems and they work the same way mm-hmm. that mindset wasn't there that policy wasn't there mm-hmm. uh, and that but then that's one of the challenges is because of isolation you can't get data in and out so things like usb sticks could yeah. have been commonly used I, I can't remember it was i don't mean 15 years ago now i, I make maybe even longer I, than mean, I don't remember but it's actually very interesting when you bring the usbs up it's actually because as you say in the it and i mean it's obviously now really banned from using usbs or if you have one you need the i mean you have it for your own 
laptop basically and you get it encrypted and so on. But when that moves into OT, you you normally have you could have configuration on USB sticks in the OT yep. industry for yep. you know replacement of units. You yep. have the USB in, then you unplug it, you get the new device in, and then you replug the USB, and then it's up and running on the configuration because everything is not as automated as it is in the IT industry. And then the IT policy comes in and says it needs to be encrypted, and then it becomes really complicated in the OT industry because. Those USB might be configured and you know made in one place, and then they need to be physically transferred off grid yeah. to where they are actually used. Meaning it's going to be really complicated with encryption and keys and how do you manage? Yeah. And you you don't really manage that in a good way. Mm. So you, the next step for OT, I think, is to actually get rid of the USBs, obviously, and have more automated solutions. And that's happening. For, and that's happening yeah. right now. As we speak, I mean, the standards within IT, but it takes time in yeah. OT. It's, it's really a slow-moving industry in that mm. sense. As I'm, as I'm cheekily reading mm. this online about all the facts before I get them wrong. But, yeah, it's that air gap, I think, is a really good mm. word with that example, is quite commonly in cybersecurity environments, you'll have an air gap. And the USB key was a breach, a way to breach that air gap. So, because they were completely isolated. But one of the other things that, as well is the system that they were using would be an IT kind of your Windows system. And one of the challenges is to upgrade those systems because this kind of, it's not broken, don't fix it. So you would have an IT system in an OT setting environment without IT policies running OT systems which again would cause it. So it's not, it's specifically targeting an OT product, which would be the, the, the Siemens PLC, but it would be going through an IT system. And, and like you said, this, this convergence is so interesting or, or this overtaking or, or um, what's the word? This, 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 the way that they're kind of being pulled in to each other um, is, is, is because of things like this. And, and we are going to be seeing it more and more and more cyber terrorism and government sponsored cyber terrorism is going to be the way that, that I think that happens. But now we are seeing, um, you know, kind of cyber terrorism in the IT world as well. And it is becoming harder because things are being more available on the internet and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was actually what happened. I mean, after Stuxnet and then it kind of moved into the ransomware area of the OT industry, because then all of a sudden you started connecting all the system. And then, yep. I mean, Obviously, ransomware came in because if there is an open port, it's going to come in. Yeah. So, and we've seen a lot of examples on that. I mean, the shipping industry had it with Maersk and you had it on the... Oh, it's everywhere. Hydro had it uh, with the aluminum plant and things like that. So it's all over the place. I mean, ransomware went mm. around universities in, in the UK <laughs> recently. I mean, like, because they're all interconnected to each other as well and... Again, there's a there's a really wonderful picture on the internet from years ago, and it's a picture of a uh, of like a server cabinet with hundreds of cables in it and lots of lots of Ethernet cables, and it says, "In case of emergency, break the glass and rip all the cables out." You know, because it's like the only way to stop this is is it is a virus, and I mean that is it is spreading, and it is malicious, and it is you know. You know, and, and you can go into the definitions of what type of virus is a virus about replication mm. and things like that. But mm. the idea is just to stop it spreading. And once you isolate a partition of the network, you can't then just plug that back in and operate. 
I mean, that's some of the biggest challenges is maybe the accounting department weren't affected, but the management department was. So then you have the accounting department that are completely isolated and making sure that things don't happen. I think my um, my when my wife previously worked, they had a they had a a challenge and 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 a, and a, uh, and a potential breach. And one of the policies was to change your password, like every two or three days or something which is just absolutely wow. crazy and that was yeah that's insane that's and, yeah and that's because whether or not the policy was there and i mean that's the bit that needs to improve as well so yeah, i mean if like, they want to change that often i mean doing a change once i can if there have been some leak of passwords it should be enough with one time well we, this is the thing this is, often it's going to be like are they still breached or is it well that's I mean, it you don't know you don't know and and, no, and, and, and when then, something happens have you got rid of the virus? I mean, this idea of, you know, being ill, mm. you know, people, I mean, COVID is the best example is it's, mm. it's, it's in your system five, 10 days before you even realize you're sick, which is yeah. when it's spreading, then you get sick mm. and then you recover. And there's still a chance of spreading it during recovery. You know, yep. so you, you're now in an environment of where the sick moment, the, the bit that you're slightly ill in mm. is very short. But the length of time you're infected is 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 huge, and that's yeah. exactly the same as a computer system. Mm-hmm. It can be infected when you don't know, you know you're infected, and then you think you've got rid of it, and the infection can keep coming and keep coming. I mean, that is why a virus is called yeah, yeah, exactly a virus. But yeah, exactly. I mean, it it, it has similarities. So to the human version, so yeah. <laughs> I don't want to call it. Niklas, something that I'm really curious about or want to hear more about is how do you think the OT security landscape has changed in the last 10 years or so, recent years? I think it has changed a bit, but not really nearly enough. I think everyone, I mean, as always, there's a kind of awareness journey you're on, getting to know more on, say, in this instance a very different topic from what you normally i mean if, if you're working in ot you're working with operations so you're you know you're running your plant basically mm. on say the output of that one and then now you need to take a different basically a subject into account which is security and um, so and that that awareness is moving along but actually fairly slow i would say mm. it's and how you see that now is that a couple of years ago, if you go back four or five years, you could get a lot of comments like, yeah, but that doesn't affect us. That's, you know, for someone else. Or we are too small to be a target or whatever. Right. And, but I kind of moved on from that at least. And really, I would know that they are themselves a target. Mm. But still, the knowledge is fairly low. So the next step is asking for, you know, guidance. or, And that means looking at, going out on the internet looking for information and then you end up with the standards and you start looking at those and thinking oh yeah this is going to be the you know the silver bullet to make us secure and then it won't but it's it's a step on the way it's a step yeah definitely i mean things like iso 27000 or the iec 62443 standard for mm-hmm. instance or say implementing the nist cybersecurity framework and i mean it's 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 not a bad idea and it's a very good step forward but you will have to move on from that as well. What do you think the next step then is? I mean, the next step is, 
when you have some more awareness, it's basically building the organization a bit differently, I think. Mm. Having certain roles within the organiza- organization working with security. I mean, my role is one of those, for instance, but you can have experts on specific topics. And I think instead of just having an operator looking at the SCADA system, you will have those people or someone working with them that are looking at different things within not just the operation of the network, say the plant, but also looking at, say, the network traffic or is there something kind of behind the scenes going on? So things from the IT world, like a security operation center and mm. where you have event monitoring and looking at logs, that will definitely move into the OT side a lot more, both, both from vendors, I think, but also from the operational side running the plant. So what is the biggest threat to OT companies? Is it is it outside uh, malicious intent or? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, maybe. Uh, if you look at, you know, power outages in the US, I would say the squirrel comes up squirrel. on top, basically, or something like <laughs> that. Elaborate, please. Elaborate, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you look at incidents, uh, something ha- is happening. You call, call it an incident. And you mm. basically look at, okay, what is causing this one? I would say... One of the most common or the most common one is basically mistakes or some sort of malice and abuse. And malice and abuse could be not just, you know, your average disgruntled employee doing something. But I mean, the squirrel, squirrel. that, you know, (laughs) he doesn't have, you know, an intent in what he's doing, but it's some sort of kind of abuse on (laughs) you climbing around and then there's a, you know, power outage. They didn't attack, say, the OT system per se in that sense because they just moving on along just the cables. But I mean, it, co- it will create an incident mm-hmm. and you will have to handle that in some way. So you need to build a system to handle that. But also, say, when I come into the mistakes, if you move on from that, I mean, the classic one is, say, a misconfiguration. Right. Yeah, especially, say, you... you you have a firewall. Everyone has a firewall, at least one, probably several. We, we hope. Yeah, we hope. We hope. Most have firewalls. The OT convergence <laughs> kind of world, that's still quite new. Is that one of the advice we're going to give out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, no. Secure your network. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of obvious. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 but that's, exactly, sure. that's exactly the point of this, is IT, firewalls are 10, 15 years, that's the yeah. thing. OT, putting that in is now... Mm-hmm which is policy-led and, and everything like that. So yeah. as much as we assume, let's assume, but yes, go on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have a firewall in place, and the classic thing is that you, I mean, you really actually need to have quite a lot of knowledge to be able to configure that in the right way. So not just knowledge about the firewall and how a firewall works, but also about the network that you're actually mm-hmm. trying to protect. Yeah. And what type of traffic is flowing here. And so in an OD setting might even be easier because you you should be able to know exactly what type of traffic I'm supposed to have here, what protocols you're using and so on. In an IT setting, like in an office, it could be a lot of traffic going on. But a misconfiguration of a firewall that could open a basically backdoor into your system in a sense because you, you think you're protected yeah. because you have configured a firewall and then all yeah. of a sudden you have an attacker just moving in because you, you made a mistake, so you, you're letting the traffic in. That's a classic one. I mean, yeah. I would say mistakes and malice abuse are definitely the most common ones. So it sounds to me like having educated staff 
doing this configuration is really, really an important thing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And start working, I mean, in pairs or whatever. I mean, like, not just having one engineer coming out and doing it and, you know, you create a lot of better, say, redundancy if you are several people on it. Having an extra pair of eyes. Yeah, and things like that, and try to have standard configurations, and hmm. so it doesn't really. It's not that specialized in one setting, and I think that that, well, that would be a good idea. But you, but you just hit the nail on the head, um, Evelina, with about education, and that's key. Is hmm. cybersecurity isn't about, which is what Nicholas said, turning the firewall on and. Oh, we got the, the firewalls on. It's fine. Right. We're all good. It's not a checkbox you can tick and then be happy. Say, yeah. Now we're cyber secure. Yeah. Like, hur- hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's absolutely key. Is 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 you 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 have to educate your staff and having best practices and having this this awareness program of saying, right, if there is a USB stick on the floor, don't pick it up and plug it into a machine, just mm. because you feel that that. You know, and and to even just say, oh, to check if it's okay. You know, oh, that that's where the the, the infection happens. So um, it's all about education, and also this is not a checkbox. It's continuous, ongoing cybersecurity. Is you know this this whole thing is it's not just a job now. It's just a constant job. It's the kind of you got to keep going and keep going as cybersecurity. The threats that are from ten years ago are now. I've been secured, whereas now we're looking at different types of threats. You know, the whole, um, the kind of scammer would email you and it would say, you know, say, oh, I've got, you know, $100 million in the bank and um, if, I can't remember the number four or, one or something, those scams, and they, that was like, oh, well, someone fell for it. You know, how could you fall for that? Where now, I mean... No one would fall. For, I mean, say no one, but less people fall for it now because it's so common knowledge. Yeah. And now there's new types of scams coming through. You know, where um, what a quite good one is like in like email addresses, for example, of pretending where, to be other people. Yeah, like phishing. Yeah. But where the email would come in, and you could spoof the 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 company name, for example. So it would look so similar. So like having a an R and an N can look like an, an M. So if your company's got an M in it, they people would use an R and an M. You would get an email from Evelina and it would be at this company that says, you know, with the wrong name in it, but your eyes don't recognise this and you respond back and yes, it's absolutely fine. And that's really, really common. So oh, yeah. that's where things are evolving as well is they're getting more and more sophisticated. Where 10 years ago they would say, we're secure now. And they would never mm. suspect that happening. So yeah, yeah, I mean, and they even tailor that, like, spear phishing attack where you, I mean, you pretend to be the CEO, we're having a discussion yep. with the CFO, yep. and then all of a sudden you send that email to, you know, you know, country manager somewhere, fairly remote, yep. that doesn't really have that much contact with the headquarters, but once in a while they have that. And now they're getting an email, like, from the CFO saying, yeah, but you need to transfer this money here because, as you can see in the, you know, the dialogue with the CEO here, we are, we are doing a business here and we need to actually have that cash in place and so on. And then, I mean, it's really hard for that country manager to be, like, stand up and say, no, this is probably fake, or do an extra check with, a, you know, CFO of the company and say, like, oh, do you really want me to do this? Yeah, you know, you, responding, because then he would get, 
Preferred to looking, the cook. looking yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Dumb, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be stupid. You want to be helpful and, you know, you want to be, yeah, you're on, on your toes and really, oh, yeah, I was super quick with that one. Yeah. But <laughs> and that's exactly it. And that, and that, and that is just something that was, we would never prepared, prepared for. So mm-hmm. they're becoming much more, like I said, sophisticated and, and we have to constantly learn and constantly evaluate. But, and now this goes to my next question is, is how much is too much? Now, cybersecurity, you know, do we lock all the doors and allow no one? Which is, I mean, ideally, then we were talking back to isolated networks again, which they were isolated physically, now become digitally connected, now becoming digitally isolated. Now, but we're having more stricter rules or something in place because they're things connected to the internet, there's communication and remote work and stuff like that. So how much is, is too much? when it comes to cybersecurity, and I know this question with the IT-OT convergence is there's two different answers here. So on the OT perspective, where would you say is too much? Oh, that's a uh, really interesting question. I think it's it, it's not a simple answer to that one. It's going to be, you'll have a discussion on that one because say in the OT industry, I would say that obviously you have to look at safety. So it's yeah. going to be, the key is safety here. IT is always going to look at liability for basically. Yeah. They will look at the money and see, okay, if this happened, that will cost us, you know, a million, and then we can get an insurance or whatever. But from an OT perspective, that that insurance really wouldn't cover it because it's a safety. So all of a sudden, you have five people dead. Yeah, and then there is no insurance in the world that's going to cover that one. So I think you will have to have. I would say security in in. One aspect, it's both easier and harder in OT. It's easier because you have more control over the traffic and you have more control over the systems, but it's harder because you have basically people's lives at stake. But in IT, it's more back to the you know crunching numbers things where you look at the money, which is more... It, it, it's easier in a way. Yeah. So technically, it might be complicated because there's a lot more connections, a lot of more protocols going on, but you can still just look at the money and see... So on the risk. So I don't know if that really answers your question. but No, I think it does because we don't know how much too much is. And what we're doing constantly is trying to push and find how much too much is. And then we have to step back and then understand. And again, this goes back to another point of cybersecurity. It's about evaluation and risk assessment. Mm. So turning all the, putting the firewalls on and blocking everything. Okay, the risk is nothing can get in. But then the risk is, is then nothing, we can do nothing which means that then, you know, we maybe not be able to provide or the sites will not be able to provide the best uh, product for their customers. So let's say water or energy or anything like that. You, you, you then say, I'm not saying that, you know, turn the firewalls off and people don't get power. But what I'm saying is being able to operate in that environment where in an IT environment, again, locking down to taking away quite a lot of privilege that we once previously had actually hasn't impacted our daily lives that much it might be a bit of a nuisance but it hasn't impacted our daily lives that much so there's a good reason for that but you can't you know but the, the most important thing is, is a risk assessment reevaluate, and then as cybersecurity progresses is that now still a threat you know and the, exactly, yeah. you know the squirrels going back are always going to be a threat yep. you know we can't <laughs> stop the squirrels but but um you know is is that usb stick now a threat well they're now getting you know 
I think one of the biggest ones was, uh, you know, conferences. People give USB sticks away, and mm. now that's changing. Or people would have them in pens, and mm. people would have them on their key rigs. That's not happening now. So I'm not saying that you then have a policy that allows USB sticks, but it becomes less of a threat, which means that then it's not then a priority, then something else becomes a priority. So I'm not ask, expecting you to answer it. I think your answer is absolutely Yeah, I think, as you say, it's a continuous journey. That's basically and the key takeaway, I think, that it's it never stops. It's You're never finished, really, when it comes to security. And that's the most important thing, is it's, a, like I said, it's constant evaluation and, and progression. Yeah. So now, Niklas and Ant, we've, we've talked a bit about, you know, the, the background of where we've come from and security-wise. And we talked about very current topic with ITOT convergence. Um, but if we try to look a bit into the future um, and trends that you foresee will be uh, yeah, trend, trends essentially in, in the mm-hmm. coming years, what would you pinpoint as the most, the most standout topics? Uh, then I'm looking from the OT perspective. I think there are a few things that's going to be on the agenda. I think things securing what you're actually running in the network is going to be key going forward. With I mean, technical things like software signing and secure boot, or so that you actually know. Okay, the, the you will you won't be 100% protected with that, but then you will actually be more sure that okay, this is the firm running. I've got it from a trusted partner. And that's so that, that, that's software signing. Yeah, that's software yeah. signing, and then you kind of anchor it in hardware, and you have the keys basically burnt in by the people that made the product. Which is secure boot. Then you have secure boot. So that's, I think that's actually going to be a fairly strong trend going forward. Mm. Uh, and the reason because of that, because security is basically about trust, uh, for real. I mean, you really need to trust your partners here. You need mm. to buy product somewhere. So you, you want to limit the number of people. Like, I mean, like in it's a human thing in relationships. You, you can have a relationship with like you know, 300 people and trust them all in the same way. It's going to be a smaller number. And the same thing happens in security. You will have a few partners that you trust. And then you're going to you know, lean on them and say, okay, what can you do? even more to protect me and then they will come yeah but we are really sure we, we have you know these certificates in place and we sign all our software and we burn in these keys in production with a really rigorous you know process regarding that so it's it's really secure and safe here so so then you can buy those products so that kind of take care of one thing that you will have to do going forward the, the other thing is going to be an, a challenge for the ot i think which i've been <laughs> talking about for a while it's patch management, which is going to be, you know, super hard in the OT. Right. And it already is. I mean, we have a lot of customers that don't really, I mean, they're not updating the systems because it's super complicated. I mean, I'm picking up my phone here and, you know, you get that update and it's really easy to click. Exactly. And yeah. even if you don't do it at once, I mean, after a week or two of those reminders, you're definitely going to do it. And then you'll do an update or it's automatic it runs during night. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really happen in OD system because it's going to be disconnected for a while. So it's yeah. it's going to be planned and and things could be remote. They could be disconnected. You need to send a guy and he will cost money. And it's just really uh, cumbersome. It's not really yeah, the right word. Yeah, it becomes this huge... It's just it's a project, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a super risk because even if you have the patch... 
and you can do remote or you have access to the system, I mean, it's fairly scary to clicking, you know. It's confidence. Yeah, it's confidence. It's a confidence because it might actually make the system non-available. And that's really the worst thing that could happen. Well, well, (laughs) with most firmware, there's a reboot. So it's that, that, and I've been at the remote end, or sorry, sorry, not the remote, watching the remote end reboot and just sitting there praying that it was going to recover. And I mean, you know it will, but there's always that moment that it, it, it won't. And... I mean, I've been in an instance of where people have had to go to site because things won't recover just because of some circumstance. It could be a complete coincidence that the um, cell coverage could have gone down for a period of time or it hasn't. It's it's going through a retry or we've had ones of where, which is quite was, was quite a strange one, of where collaboration on site sort of synced of where they were which is which is really bad management but like we were doing upgrades we would do the upgrade it worked and then they dropped power which means that then it doesn't recover i mean if they dropped power before we would have knackered the unit but they then dropped power and we're like well, where's all the power gone and then they're like oh well, we turn this off and it's like well we're doing work and then then it gets into the well why didn't we tell who in this that and the other but we're in a panic because things are not coming back to normal because the expectation is working, 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 reboot, working, working, working. Yeah. So, I mean, that's stressful. Oh, that's super stressful. <laughs> I mean, I know a guy, he, we talked about that. He worked for a you know, fairly big uh, Swedish company working with cellular solutions. Uh, they had an installation in Spain, basically a better part of northern Spain, and they were doing you know, an update, basically just patching for vulnerabilities, nothing else on the system. In the middle of the night, and he knew he had like you know thirty minutes to get this out on all the sites. They ended up not doing it because they were too afraid that you know you don't want to push that out a couple of hours, and then you know the morning starts for northern Spain, and no one has a cellular connection, and you go like uh, hands off here. We need you know, and you can prepare and prepare. And how do you have that confidence? Yeah. I think patch management is going to be, it's super complicated for OT. Yeah. And that leads me to the question I have then is, how do you decide which mm. patch do I, do I patch? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Which one do I, do I apply to the system? Yeah. It's going to be, see, in the IT, that's in easy because basically you, can, you apply everything. Yeah. If it's a vulnerability you want to fix, get it out there. Get the patch out because... Okay, it might be a monetary loss if the system doesn't come up right away. But a lot of businesses can continue fairly well, you know, off offline, mm-hmm. so to speak, for a while. And you can do it all over the weekend because then there is no work being done. But I mean, you know, clean drinking water, yeah, you need it on a Saturday as well. So <laughs> it, it's not really an option. And what I think we, you have to start looking at, I didn't... I wrote some a simple article on that I posted on LinkedIn just to get the debate going, and you have to have some sort of process picking which vulnerabilities to actually patch, mm-hmm. because that's going to be dependent on your system as well if you yeah. are vulnerable or not. Yeah, I was going to say not everything is applicable. Exactly. You know, a, 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 let's say a fix to a, a memory leak in DHCP. For example, dynamic IP address assignment isn't relevant to a lot of customers, but it's it's then identified as a security fix. So the word is 
there's been a there's been a security update. Update your system. Well, that will be the recommendations. But is it relevant? No, it's not going to be relevant. And, that, and that's the, uh, we we're asked that question quite a lot. Is the one of the best ways to decide what's going to be patched, which is quite common with um, firmware, is release notes. They have the the key information, and then speaking, you know, to uh, the provider. So let's say us, for example, to say, you know, here's my system. Does this apply? Can you help with this? And having that discussion. So again, cybersecurity is lots and lots of talking, lots of figuring out, lots of finding out if it's appropriate. So you you you're absolutely right, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Like what what do you patch? You can't just keep taking a site down. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, the system can be designed to say that we have regular maintenance, which is Sunday at two o'clock in the morning, and there's one hour of where there's downtime. Mm-hmm. So that's another way of doing it is consistently having a structure about it and either way is preferable to each and every system yeah exactly i think that's i mean in it you can basically have the same policy all over yeah it's basically independent on which office you're at Mm. and you switch company you can have the same policy here it's going to be that site that has to make the decision the operators at that site need i mean basically educate themselves in how okay what can we do on this system when we do patch management and then also rate the say, vulnerabilities. There is a system for that with the CVS scoring, and you can look at that. But it, I would say the CVS score that you can do on each vulnerability is a bit of a pathological liar in a sense, <laughs> because <laughs> you can always find a lot of vulnerabilities that are, you know, one example that I had before was there was one phishing one on Android, and there was a firmware update for pacemakers. And the one on Android, which actually required user, you know, in, in actions, actually scored higher on the CVSs than the, you know, you could hijack the firmware upgrade on the pacemakers with yeah. the other vulnerability. And you, I mean, you can just think for ten seconds and think, yeah, okay, do I care if my pacemaker stops working or if you know the phone stops working? Yeah, is it Instagram or social media or whatever? Yeah, or exactly. is it your, I mean, your heart? Like, yeah, exactly. It's a fairly easy question to answer in that case. It all comes down to to what's important to you. Then, yeah. if you don't have a pacemaker, then yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you're not running that service, yeah, and that's. Key advice as well. I mean, turn off services you're not using, like a web server. Do you really have a web server running on all the devices you have in your network? Which is quite common. I mean, IoT devices have web servers. Yeah. Because they use that to actually connect all the time, you know, with their own protocols going out on the internet. And you're like, okay, yeah, but you really need that. That's really, and Mm. I think that's a really interesting one as well. Is like I said, leaving the, the convenient stuff on isn't applicable and again it's center education and that's stuff that we're really passionate about um you know uh, you know to share that that knowledge to say you know turn this stuff off even if it's not even if you think it's not relevant it can be relevant to someone and again you only have something to hide uh, you only need to score something until you have something to hide i mean that that's the same so i think i think it's i think you're absolutely right with that that trend so secure boot um patch management and um what was the last one I think I'm just stuck on patch management. You're going to go patch management. We went into the details and discussed. The key thing, key takeaway for me, Mm. you talked a lot about having the right partnerships, having partners that you can really trust. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that could be a trend as well. That I mean, I mean you're going to be keeping listing trends off. You'll be a trendsetter yeah. in the <laughs> cybersecurity. I mean, that's what you know. So I think, but that's right. Is, is we're right. It is a relationship thing, and there is trust in that, and that's really, really important. And and again, also that takes years and years to build that up. You can't, you can't just buy and sell trust. I mean, that, and that's a trend you can see in IT as well. I mean, if you go back several years, you could see that IT were buying things from all over the place. They were just looking at price. And then all of a sudden, they kind of start noticing, yeah, that might not be just the only thing you can look at. You start, they started looking at, you know, basically building trust with their own, you know, yeah. vendors. So I think it's kind of that, that needs to move into OT as well so that we really build a few kind of trustworthy relationship with our suppliers and then we can build from there. And I think that, and that's the positives of the convergence is the assurance and, and the confidence and things like that. But I think some of the challenges which we've definitely discussed right here is absorbing too much and how much is too much and stuff like that as well. So I think it's it's one of those things that's happening. No one can avoid it. What is true convergence is another argument. Is it full absorption or is it co cohabitation? Pronounce the word, but cohabiting. You know the kind of OT IT securities work together, but it has quite an IT uh, an IT driven mindset. So, and I think to be honest, if we have this conversation in a year's time, we will say the same things and we will also say very different things about how things may have changed in, in that world. So, um, but um, yeah, I'd like to thank you, Nicholas. I mean, it's been fantastic to to have you participate and i'm sure you're not going to be uh it's not going to be a one-time thing here so i uh i really welcome welcome you and i really appreciate the time that you've taken out your busy schedule patching things <laughs> and preventing squirrels from uh attacking <laughs> attacking exactly. things yeah, i mean i for one learned mm. learned a lot of new things uh today so yeah it's been great and i hope our listeners have um gained some valuable knowledge as well Hope so too. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasant time. Yeah, anytime. Well, that was a really, really interesting conversation that we had with Nicholas there, wasn't it, Evelina? It really was, and especially learning about the impact squirrels can have <laughs> on sites <laughs> and on networks. I mean, uh, I think uh, they're going to become the the cybersecurity threat number one. It'll be squirrels, and then protecting your uh, your network as well so um, I think that's good but um, I think it's been really good I mean it's really really hot today I think me and you are both really stuffy it's really really hot outside and the most exciting thing is is now I'm here with you recording in, Sweden. in the same room I mean that's fantastic yes, so a meter of each other yeah. I mean safely um, but uh, yeah I think it's been really good today and I'm glad to uh, like I said finally get here so um, I hope you have a really good summer Thank you. I hope you do too. And to everyone uh, who's listening as well. Have a good summer. <laughs>